Welcome to the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, John Lawson, Senior Wealth Advisor at Asante Capital Management and Sana Family Office. We are always looking for unique ways to educate our client families and be introduced to new clients. At Sana Family Office, we help business owners and affluent families navigate the complexities of wealth through a variety of wealth management and family enterprise oversight services. Today on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast, we have Alfred Lamb, who is our Senior Vice President and Chief Investment Officer of CI Global Asset Management. Alfred has more than 18 years of experience specializing in portfolio design, asset allocation, manager and fund selection, and risk management. In addition to the CFA designation, Alfred holds an MBA from York University School of Business and is a member of the CFA Institute and the Toronto CFA Society. Most importantly, since 2004, when Alfred joined CI, he has become a good friend and someone I trust to rely on for his candid and sometimes colorful explanations of just what's going on in the world. Alfred has always had a unique insight and I thought given the geopolitical mess in our world today, I would reach out so he can share his views with our listeners. Welcome, Alfred. Thanks so much for doing this. And I was just saying, given the geopolitical mess in our world, you are someone I rely on to help translate that into what we should be doing for our clients. So let's jump right in the deep end. The landscape in our world has changed dramatically. Uh, I would say quicker and further than anyone had predicted. Let's maybe start with where were we headed prior to all this escalation of the Russian-Ukraine conflict? Okay, so before I answer the question, just a little bit about myself. Uh, I look very young and I am, I'm, I'm young, okay, but I'm not that young if you consider that I graduated MBA in 2000. So if you do the math, you probably know how old I am now. And then um, I started investing for myself uh, about 30 years ago. And I started to invest for clients' money uh, professionally about 20 years ago. So when I first joined CI Asante, uh, the AUM or assets under management in these type of programs were around $9 billion. And thankfully for our performance and also support from our clients, that assets have grown to $48 billion. So, so did my head get bigger? No. Uh, the reality is I think... Um, Going through like uh, the going through tech bubble, going through financial crisis, going through um, the taper tantrum, going through wars this time with Russia invading uh, Ukraine. We I feel that we are more humble that we we have seen a lot of things that nobody really anticipated, uh, and and we have to continue to be logical with our investments, continue to respect our clients' money. It's not just a dollar amount; it's savings. And I'm glad that like uh, uh, John, uh, as your advisor, he all obviously feels the same thing, which is in line with our thoughts. So, so I would say compared to 20 years ago or 30 years ago, when I was investing for my own money, lose all of it, move on, right? I was young and your small amount, but now $48 billion is a lot of people's savings, okay? Uh, if we do a little bit more, a little bit less, it really influences people's lifestyle. So to me, it's very important to be careful with our investing. So I often say that 
Alfred is not going to get you rich. Okay, my business is wealth management. It's not wealth creation. Okay, so I cannot just somehow overnight make you really rich. And if I can do that repeat repeatedly, um, then that would be amazing. But 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 obviously, I don't think anybody has been able to do that. And and it's more about wealth management, and and it's very important on on the risk management. So so this type of time. Uh, obviously, um, more important to understand uh, the geopolitical tensions, what's the implications to the performance, which uh, we will address today. So your first question was about um, where, how we got to here. Okay, so three major events uh, from 2021 to 2022. So first event was the birth of the speculative technology bubble, okay? So, so, so I must say that it's the speculative portion of the technology stocks. So this is not the tech bubble when you sign up a uh, pest.com, the company is worth like hundreds of millions of dollars. So it wasn't that case. There are a lot of tech companies that are generating a lot of cash flows and they are part of our day, everyday life. We are using like uh, this, like a phone. Uh, we are using a lot of Apple products like a Google when we try to search for the restaurants or try to try to find stuff like, a, like a, we, 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 um, we use a lot of technology and they are extremely profitable. However, there are companies that are not as profitable, but they have been bought aggressively by investors. They call themselves investors, but they are traders. So the main difference between traders or short-term investors um, versus professional investors like ourselves is uh, we pay attention to valuations. Good companies are not always good investments because they can be too expensive. But a lot of the day traders, they just look at the theme and what is uh, uh, topical in, in, the, in the market and they would like to buy them at any prices, okay? So they are not paying attention to the prices. They are not doing any work on the price and they just bought them because it's topical. And I use two examples for you. Okay, we are using Zoom today. Zoom at one point, the stock price was 568. Today is trading at 109. So, so it has lost 82%. And other stock that during the pandemic, a lot of people wanted to buy was Moderna because it went from a company that is in the R&D process to a company that actually had a product. So the stock went up to 484, uh, today it's 142. So it was trade down 70%. And then you said, okay, you know what? If I bought those stocks before the pandemic, so if I have the insight to believe that we're gonna have a pandemic, people are gonna use more soon, uh, people are going to buy Moderna. Maybe I would do well. Funny thing is, if you bought Zoom before the pandemic, today you only broke even. And you know that the markets were up quite significantly uh, 20, 2020 and 21. So if you just broke even, and with inf obviously with inflation running at about 7%, you are losing money. You are losing your purchasing power. So, so that, that explains to you that for a while we didn't own those stocks, okay? And people were like, okay, why didn't you own them? It's so obvious. Uh, the, the obvious thing we, why we didn't own now is so obvious is because of the valuations. It's not that they are bad company because like, uh, as I said, we're using their product, we love it, but the valuations was not uh, appealing to us. So there were a lot of uh, retail investors uh, bought these type of stocks 
without paying attention to valuations. And these stocks just got really, really expensive. And it become a musical chair that, that uh, you need another person to buy from you to pop up the stock prices. And professional investors will not buy, okay? So, so it has to be another day trader out there that basically uh, didn't, didn't go to work and stay at home and do, do trading. And eventually the world ran out of those people because a lot of people return to work and at work, you probably shouldn't be day trading. And, 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 and this is why uh, the music stops and, and, and then the stock prices drop. And unfortunately, a lot of day traders, uh, they bought these stocks on margin, i.e. they were buying on leverage. So you know the banks are very funny, right? When, when stock prices are up, they ask you to borrow more money. When stock prices are down, they ask you to liquidate as soon as possible. So a lot of like those margin accounts were liquidated and, and the, the loss was obviously more than what I quote you 82% or 70% because there was margin involved. And that was reflected in January. So outside of the speculative tech, uh, the other tech companies, as I mentioned, uh, Google, Apple, and those stocks were performing well. They actually reported very strong earnings. Uh, their valuations were, were fine and they were even finer when their earnings were growing. So those stocks were, hold, were holding uh, even though the sentiments were really against them because they are classified as tech. So imagine, right? So if your neighbor's house just got burned down, you can go and say, tell your, your, uh, the next buyers, your house is made out of concrete, it's not wood, uh, it's fireproof, don't worry about it. People, not, people are gonna pay you a discount, okay? So that was the general effect when the overall sentiments of the markets were weaker, and especially in the tech world that we saw despite they were in great shape. And obviously uh, as investors, uh, professional investors, we don't really care that much about uh, the sentiments because we, we do think that they are good value and for time horizon, they will do well and we were not concerned. And another issue we saw in, in, in the new year was the, um, um, the Fed policy, okay? So with rising inflation, uh, investors start to price in very aggressive interest rate hikes by the central banks. And obviously we don't like interest rate hikes, right? We, we will be paying higher interest rate, whether it's you and me or whether it's businesses. So, so, so markets were, concerned because they think that central banks will be too aggressive and we will tip into recession because central banks were too aggressive when you and I start to cut back on our spending, when companies say, okay, well, I'm going to pay a higher interest rate cost, I'm going to cut back my, my spending too. And people were worried that we're going to have a recession sooner. Uh, and obviously that creates a, a little bit of negative sentiments to, to, uh, to the markets. Um, at one point this year, uh, before this uh, outbreak of the um, war in, in Russia and Ukraine, uh, the markets were expecting the Fed to hike six to seven times this year. Okay, a year ago, the market was pricing for two to three. Okay, and now the market is pricing for three to four because of the, uh, uh, the war in, in, in Russia and Ukraine. So it tells you how quickly opinion change, um, and that obviously influenced the markets. But over the long term, we don't think that these are big issues. 
because we think that certain companies, uh, they have very loyal customers. Uh, they will continue to generate very strong revenue and earnings. Uh, so we are not worried about that. And, and then the next event, which is the third event, is obviously the, um, uh, the Russia and Ukraine. So, so when stock markets drop, U US stock markets, global stock markets drop about 5 to 8%, uh, quite frankly, we thought it's done, okay? We thought this correction is done because it has already priced in for higher interest rates and also the negative sentiments coming from the speculative tech. We thought it's done. And then unfortunately we have this war and then investors start to reprice uh, investments. So, so um, before the third event, we could see that markets want to go up. Okay, so any good news, markets try to go up. And, and as a matter of fact, the day that Russia invaded um, uh, Ukraine, stock markets were up, okay? And the reason why was because uncertainty becomes certainty. And you know, uh, stock markets, they like certainty. So even though it wasn't a great outcome, but the markets were already lower because of this, because they were guessing whether they're gonna be in a war or not. And markets were already holding off some of the gains. So when, when the war actually uh, broke out, the, um, uh, the, the markets were actually up. And what happened uh, two weeks or so after the, the invasion, so basically the last two weeks, what happened? The markets continue to be uneasy and, and want to go down is, it's mainly because the war that originally was between two countries, Russia and Ukraine, became a war between Russia and the rest, rest of the world. Okay, you, you start to see social media, people support Zelensky uh, because he's a gentleman that wears suit before, before he was in his bunker, right? So, so people wanted to support him. So you start to see a lot of like, a, we stand for Ukraine, like a, like a, people were asking the politicians to do stuff. Okay, we want to sanction Russia. We want to do this and that. The problem with that is it, it brings inflation pressure because when you sanction Russia, uh, you are also uh, reducing the global fertilizer wheat output by roughly 20%. You are reducing the oil output by 10%. Okay, so, so it's no longer an isolated event because all these impacts uh, is going to affect our daily life, okay? And then you start to think that, okay, you know what? With inflation, which almost acts like a tax or higher oil price almost like a, like, like a tax because everyone consumes some oil, uh, the economy is becoming more fragile, okay? Because of inflation. So the war turned out to be a bigger event. Than, than original. And this is why the next few weeks, uh, the market's been, been more volatile. So how we feel about the markets? Okay, so first of all, the speculative tech, we don't think they're gonna come back anytime soon because they were expensive. And those and, and, and the people that were, in, that were interested in those names, they basically lost most, if not all of the capital and, and they, they don't have capital to put back in these type of investments. So they, they learned the lesson, okay? However, these stocks start to look reasonably attractive, okay? 
like uh, so so I suspect some professional investors will will buy some of these what we call speculative tech, but it's going to be a lot slower compared to the last pace, and then it won't go as high as the last round when you when basically it was a music musical chair game, and and then the whole central bank policy as I mentioned, uh, they are now uh, less aggressive. The markets are pricing for three to four, and and that is the market. But the central banks were initially expecting to hike 50 basis points. And now they have already came up that, okay, the first hike is going to be 25 basis points. Okay, so so that that has changed. Uh, so 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 25 basis points is obviously good news to to the markets and 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 you and I and most companies can handle 25 basis points, no problem. Okay, so so I don't think those are issues anymore. The next issue is the Russia-Ukraine, and obviously, I'm not a war expert, so it's hard to imagine like what that means. Uh, but we look at things based on different scenarios. So there is the base case scenario, and there is the the escalation scenario. And the base case scenario, we believe that the sanctions will still stay. Okay. And so your disruptions to supply chain will, will not be removed. Okay, so, so, so too bad with this situation, even if it's resolved, the sanctions will likely stay, meaning that the supply chain disruption will continue and we're gonna have high inflation this year. Originally, I was calling for this year, probably a four to 5% inflation for US. Now I suspect it's gonna be seven to 8%. You see oil prices a lot higher. You see uh, gas, obviously gasoline prices a lot higher as a result. And you also see um, used car prices are firming because um, in, 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 in many parts of the world, uh, they actually relies on Russians um, auto parts. Um, uh, and, and that is an issue. So for example, palladium goes to this spot exhaust and nickel goes into uh, the... Uh, the, the manufacturing of electric cars. So, so you, you're going to see some uh, higher inflation, unfortunately, uh, driven, by, uh, driven by this. Uh, but, but if you look at the markets, market definitely wants to go up. And people ask me, why markets want to go up? Okay, if you think about, about the money supply that has pumped into, into the system uh, since the pandemic, uh, the global central banks have pumped $10 trillion into it into the system, $10 trillion, every trillion has 12 zeros, okay? So 10 is a lot of money, okay? And, and, and so, so, so the world has a lot of money, money supply is very fluid. Uh, so, so there's a lot of money uh, that wants to get invested. There's a lot of money from households want to beat inflation, want to get invested. And you know that investing in GIC, investing in, Bonds not going to give you inflation protection. So there's a lot of money want to go into the markets. And keep in mind that the household wealth have gone up a lot. So, so if you look at globally, house prices have gone up. Stock prices have gone up. So wealth effect is dominating in, in, in many households because people own assets. They are richer and they're also holding a little bit more cash because they haven't been able to spend. So, so the consumers are in extremely good shape and investors are in extremely good shape. So anytime 
as long as you don't have bad news, just like today, there's no good news today. There's no bad news either. Markets want to want to go up. So Apple, for example, is up. Uh, I have a screen here. Apple is up three percent at the moment. Uh, the S and P five hundred is up two point eight percent at the moment. So markets do want to go up. Okay, because like there's a lot of demand. And on top of that, from a professional investor standpoint, the economy is doing well, people are getting employed, pensions have more money to invest in, okay? And, 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 and because like more people are employed and they have, they have a larger pool of assets and because stocks have not done too well in the last two months, uh, there's some sort of rebalancing by pensions that they are selling the, selling, selling the winners could be cash and go into, uh, into equity. So, so we've been seeing a little bit of flow going into the markets. Generally, not aggressive sellers, but there will there would be day that there would be days that uh, investors are not willing to pay up, and markets have like a minus one, minus two percent. And and but if the if the markets have no no bad news, uh, it seems to want to go up. So a lot of the bad news are probably already priced because when you look at uh, the S&P, uh, the MSCI World Index, they are down about 10 to 12%. So, so that is already uh, discounting more of the uh, bad news after the first two events this year. Remember I said the first two events, uh, the markets were down 5 to 7%. Now it's down 10 to 12 So So seems like the bad news are in. Obviously, if, if uh, Russia escalates uh, with more... Um, more more military actions, not just on Ukraine, but on NATO or on neighboring European countries. Uh, this discount probably not enough. But that's obviously not our uh, our base case scenario. Our base case scenario is probably is priced in certain things. Um, inflation will be higher, and you need to think about inflation which I'm gonna pause for a second because like I just realized that I have answered that question for over, over 15 minutes. <laughs> That's okay, Alfred. I, I, I somehow knew that it, uh, uh, knowing you for all these years, uh, that uh, you would you'd get on a roll and you'd uh, just spit it all out in the way that you do. Um, two things that uh, I, I have to uh, bring up, which I neglected to right off the top, is uh, you're you're still sporting the COVID hairdo? Not not only are, are you a little older, but your hair's longer. You've always always had shorter hair. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, the other thing is I I completely forgot to mention just so that people know um, the uh, the artwork behind Alfred is his uh, daughter's birthday was on the weekend, so that's still all the balloons because she'd be most upset if uh if those were taken down uh so that's what that, that's what's sprouting out of the uh, top of alfred's head there on the screen right so uh alfred you, you made some uh really good points and went through a lot of information there um and obviously the the uh what comes next really does hinge on whether or not uh, war escalates uh, uh but really i think what you're saying to us is that if if uh, there is no escalation markets are at that point where they've discounted and um they 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 want to go up uh, on no more bad news um but what are some of the things you you touched on oil a little bit um uh, the inflation, how is that going to affect us going forward? 
and the market. So, so we would have to pay pay uh, more for everything because oil is such a critical component for everything uh, we purchase. Uh, that's number one. Uh, number two is uh, I don't think that we will have a recession uh, too soon. So at least for another one year, I think people will still be spending because if you look at the household cash savings, uh, that is still above uh, normal level. So there is uh, ability for household to spend, even though uh, inflation is higher. And, and we have been locked for so long. People want to go to do stuff. I start to go to work a, a, a few days per week. And, and so um, people want to do stuff, okay? And, and so, uh, so that will obviously help the economy and companies do have pricing power. And I, I, I think a lot of companies do have pricing power. So they, they don't mind hiring people. They don't mind paying people a little bit more. So the next little while, I think the economy is still very, very solid. So to, to touch on that a little bit, you mentioned recession. And uh, uh, what I hear a lot out there right now is commentators talking about we're getting close to an inverted yield curve. Uh, how much stock do you put in that? First of all, I wouldn't read too much into the yield curve because these days the yield curve is manipulated by the central banks driven by the uh, uh, quantitative easing or eventually they're going to have to tighten, which will be the quantitative tightening. They are big buyers in the markets influence, influencing the prices. So any short term, any given date, if you have a flatter yield curve or inverted, I wouldn't pay too much attention. Uh, and I do think that like a... Uh, eventually, we will probably hit a recession when interest rate hit about 2%, which is not a very high level. But keep in mind that globally, the debt level is a lot bigger than the, than the uh, previous cycles. So when, when debt level is, is larger, your ability to tolerate higher interest rate is lower. So your interest rate probably going to be around 2%. And, and if we are lucky, the inflation may bring down to four to five percent in in the um uh in in the fourth quarter of this year so the annual rate may bring down to four to five percent the fourth quarter of of the year um, um but that is still negative interest rate so 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 that means that investors still want to uh invest in uh in growth assets because uh, they need inflation protection um, right. So I, I think I think those are the implications, and then and then uh, from a portfolio standpoint, I think very importantly uh, is pricing power. You want to invest in companies that have pricing power. So so there are certain sectors that will do extremely well regardless of hiking interest rates or wars. Okay. So so for example, semiconductors company. Uh, these days, like a semiconductor is effectively the modern day oil. Everything we do is semiconductor. Okay, you just hit record it on Zoom. What is driving driving that record function is semiconductor. Okay, and then we, we use the phone as semiconductor. So so um, for, the, for the older audience, you, you probably remember that when you used to adjust your car, car seat in your car, uh, it used to be a lever and then you pull it and then you move forward and backward. And then, and then the world moved to 
a button, right? And then it's a button on the side or, or the side of the seat that is electric. So we went from mechanical to electric. And now there's no longer button. The, the button is in the center console and there is no fixed button. It's a called a virtual button because this screen, you control the seats. Next screen, you control the temperature. So there's no fixed button. It's a virtual button. What's behind the virtual button? Semiconductors. Right. So the, the semiconductors is in our everyday life, including I just look at my door, the doorbell, uh, the ring doorbell is also semiconductor. So, so, so semiconductors is in our everyday life and it's growing. So it's not just a, a computer chip in your computer, but in your phone, in your car, uh, it's also in data storage in iCloud. And, and also um, uh, you probably heard about artificial intelligence you heard about gaming, your your kid, your kids and your grandkids playing video games online. Those are semiconductors and a virtual reality. So you, you, uh, in the future, ho uh, hopefully not too distant future, when we do this type of meetings, it's no longer a two dimensional, will be three dimensional. You would almost feel that you are sitting right next to me and that those type of technology is already being tested. So, so those are driven by semiconductors. So, so certain things will continue to do well because there is a very, very strong underlying trend. On top of that, of, on top of that electric vehicle, right? So, so uh, by 2030, the world is gonna convert to electric vehicle. So the need for semiconductors uh, is a real trend because driven by demand and also driven by regulatory uh, reasons. Uh, so, so that is very durable trend that we like. Those companies have pricing power, and on top of that, obviously, we also like energy these days uh, because they have pricing power. Imagine that like um, the world is going to uh, not consume from one of the major competitions, which is Russia, right? And, and the supply is less. When you lose one major competition in, 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 um, in the world, the price is probably going to stay high. Not sure is, if it will stay as high as 130 Probably uh, when it gets to 130, it, there's some flaw in, in the prices, but will remain high and companies, uh, energy companies will continue to do very well because their cost is a lot lower than say 100 bucks or even 90 bucks or 80 bucks. So these become what we call cash cows and will continue to uh, uh, perform even though the, the, the labor cost or whatever cost may be a little bit higher, but uh, they're going to do well. So. So you want to uh, protect your purchasing power. Uh, as an investors, you want to, uh, or, or, or just as any, any person, you need to protect your purchasing power. Uh, as an investor, we try to invest with companies that have pricing power so that they can, they can effectively uh, uh, drop the, the high cost to the consumers. Which is the evil thing, okay? But 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 we try to make money too. So it's a necessary evil. So yeah. if we're going to kind of uh, sum this up uh, and look at it, you're saying right now uh, high level of uncertainty out there because of uh, because of the conflict Russia Ukraine. Uh, and where is it going? Is it is it going to escalate or is it just status quo? Um, I don't think anybody believes at this point that it's going to back off anytime soon, but uh, uncertainty. But behind that, you see 
uh, still the market's wanting to go up, which really what what the markets is is just the uh, the belief of investors saying that there is value there and uh, that uh, uh, um, if we invest a dollar now, it should grow. We expect growth going forward. So short-term volatility, uh, effects of inflation, um, shorter to medium, we could be looking at a recession. uh, And sometimes that R word really scares people. but one of the things I often talk about is it's it's a necessary part of this cycle to reset uh, everything. And and uh, do you have any quick thoughts on that? Is it something yeah. people should be afraid of? I, I want to clarify the recession. So U.S. may head into a recession, but with high energy prices, Canada may not. And also, if you look at some of the emerging countries, Taiwan, uh, uh, China, uh, South Korea, India, Vietnam, uh, they actually have gone through a slower growth, higher interest rates in the past few years. So China, for example, is is setting to uh, ease monetary policy versus uh, US, our expectation is for them to hike. So you have a different uh, cycle, different monetary policy and and so there are attractive investments out there both country-wise and both uh, uh, both country and sector-wise so countries we we start to like um, uh, Canada more okay because like a uh, uh, valuations uh, were better than than US because when we had a lot, lot of day traders uh, buying stocks at home I, I, I didn't hear people buying Canadian stocks, okay, quite, quite frankly. They, they were not buying up our uh, Royal Bank or TD or whatever. They may be, buy a little bit of Shopify. That is effectively the only tech company we have. Um, uh, but, but Canada was not overbought market, okay, to begin with. And then our economy probably going to do fine. Our central banks probably going to be more in line with U.S., that means, oh, sorry, uh, 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 our, our, our central bank is probably going to be a little bit uh, behind U.S. Uh, central banks uh, because um, uh, uh, even if we have better growth, I don't think they want to be too aggressive and bring our Canadian dollar too, too high and, and then kill our exports. So, so there are good things about Canada there. Uh, there's also good things about, say, Japan. Uh, Japan is also underloved country, uh, and for a while they, they have been going through uh, challenges, uh, also competing with Europe, and now with a weaker U- Europe European economy, uh, Japan can probably do, do pretty well. Just to give an example, why the two uh, two places are very similar. Japan is a major car manufacturer. Europe is the same. Japan produces a lot of consumer electronics and industrial products, same as Europe. So when Europe is weaker because they are having problem with sourcing their, their materials, Japan probably gonna do a little bit better here. Uh, and, and also it's um, underbought market. Uh, and then the emerging markets, as I've mentioned that uh, the, uh, they, are go- they are entering easing cycle, or if not easing, they are entering uh, um, the end of the hiking cycle. So, so you have some 
some boost there uh, in 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 the uh, in the emerging markets and and uh, emerging markets had a bear market last year. So when when the whole world uh, S and P was up over twenty percent, emerging markets was actually negative returns. So so you can see some of that and 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 obviously uh, we have we position our portfolio. Uh, we 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 are increasing weight to Canada. We have increased weight to Japan. We have increased weight to emerging markets, obviously ex Russia, uh, and then we uh, uh, also having more exposure to energy. And as as I mentioned, semiconductors. Uh, uh, we also have been increasing exposure. So so the theme is trying to move money away from U.S. But don't forget those like monopolies, okay? Like a like a Apple, like a Google type of company. So we still have large weight in those companies. But if but um, for other sectors uh, that you you find good companies in the rest of the world, uh, you want to move money uh, uh, out from the U.S. to the rest of the world. As I mentioned, like a like a like Apple, like there's no equivalent in Canada, right? So, so when you say US is expensive, you cannot move money to Canada and then find another Apple here, there's none, right? So, so, so you want to keep those exposure because they are the cash cows, they will continue to do well. They are very safe investments for, for the uh, next little while until the world find, find another monopoly or, or another replacement, which we don't know when it's going to be. Uh, and, and we, and generally, we're moving up a little bit of money from U.S. to, to the rest of the world because you get better valuations. So, yeah. so the type of companies that we will be able to find is, if you ask me, do you want to pay 20 times earnings for, for, uh, for, for Walmart or do you want to pay uh, 17 times earnings for, for Loblox? You obviously think that you, we probably want to pay 17 times for, for Loblox, right? So, so that is, is something going on. And then we also, we also want to uh, invest with companies that have more pricing power. So, so those are the adjustments. Another thing I want to mention to people is, it's very dangerous in a in time like this to position your investments for binary outcome. Binary outcome is either escalation or de-escalation. So if it's the escalation, put, let's put all your money into financial stocks and tech stocks, right? And then es escalation, let's put all the money in gold or in cash. Don't do that, okay? Because binary outcome is very, very dangerous. And it's also put you away from your investment goal and investment path, okay? If you have a crystal ball, by all means do that. Unless you have a crystal ball that tell you exactly what's gonna happen, uh, you want to be diversified, you want to position so that in different environment, your portfolio is doable. Just to give you an example, okay? Our portfolio has some gold, okay? So in an, in an escalation environment, we will do well. Our portfolio also has some energy. So in a base case scenario, uh, the escalation, we probably don't do as well, but we will, we will do well in escalation and base case scenario with the oil. And we also have semiconductors that will do well regardless over the long term, okay? And and keep in keep, funny thing is if the if it's an escalation scenario, okay, our semiconductors not going to do well on any particular day on that particular day, but our goal is going to do well, okay. And then and then um, on 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 uh, the escalation, um, uh, our our financials and tech will do well, but energy will will take a setback 
on that day or two. But we also believe that over the medium term, all of these investments are at good entry point, good valuations. But the short term, we don't have the shock because we are purposely not positioning ourselves for the binary outcome. As I mentioned, we don't have the crystal ball to know what like uh, the world is gonna be and neither do I have the red nine with uh, Putin or, or Biden, okay? So, so well, that's the deal. That, that binary outcome, I awful, uh, often refer to that as, uh, you might as well just go to Vegas and put it all on red number nine because that's essentially right. a binary outcome. You're saying that you know what's going to happen. So you're putting all your money uh, on one because you wanna make the big home run. And yeah, uh, you got it. You know what? You always hear the stories about the people that hit that. Uh, but uh, the sad truth is, is that 99% don't and uh, money's gone and it does irreparable damage. So great exactly. advice, Alfred. And uh, you, you kind of carried on for where we were saying there in, in the sense of wrapping this up. Um, your portfolios are positioned so that in that, not so much just right now, because nobody can guess what's going to happen tomorrow, but you feel very strongly about the valuations in which you bought the stocks and hold these stocks in the medium uh, term and longer term, we are going to be able to turn around and sell them for more and that. And so uh, outlook, um, I think some people believe it's bland, but uh, our outlook is always long-term when we're looking at a client's scenario. Um, uh, we're always asking clients, what's the purpose for your dollars? And if it's not long-term, we don't put it in long-term portfolios. Uh, right. And it's in that safer short-term money. Uh, but long-term, we're, we're looking good. Uh, and I think uh, the, historically we have learned these are times to uh, to buy into the markets and dollar cost average, and uh, uh, because uh, five, uh, seven, ten years down the road, we're going to look back and go, "Gee, I wish I bought more." So, so to sum it up, I, I would say that like our positioning in for short term, we're definitely a little bit defensive than say uh, a year ago. Uh, we have held a little bit more cash. I still don't think that bonds, government bonds are great investments. Uh, so I'm not holding a lot of government bonds. So in lieu of government bonds, we hold some gold uh, gold stocks exposure uh, for that breaks one like uncertain event. Uh, and, and for the medium term, uh, we like the energy stocks. We, we think that like uh, uh, they are very good value. There's like a longer term supply chain disruption. Uh, there's going to be inflation. So, so we do like them. Uh, and then long term, we still like the innovation cycle that we're going through or technology innovation cycle. And, and the main beneficiary we believe is going to be uh, or the most durable is going to be uh, semiconductors. So, so we are using the weakness in the markets to, to help us to build an even larger position uh, to, to that exposure. And mind you, like uh, on a daily basis, I don't know where this thing is going to go, but I think uh, we're all going to make a lot of money. So on, on the tips, we definitely want to own a little bit more. And, and without this uh, market correction, we wouldn't be able to build a larger one. So I, I think we, we, we're going to do for a while. And, and obviously, uh, diversification and risk management continues to be very important in my mind. Uh, I... I um, spend a lot of time with my team debating whether our positions are, are, are correct or not. And, and uh, 
and and I and uh, like uh, we we need to reconfirm a lot of things uh, before we uh, have uh, sizable investments on behalf of our clients. So hopefully you find some comfort with uh, with our investment philosophy and process. And 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 in this turbulent time, I know a little bit of comfort is definitely important. So thank Great. you very much. Yeah, thanks, Alfred, so much for taking the time uh, during, which is no doubt a very busy time for both you and your team. And uh, just want to say, uh, on behalf of myself and all uh, our clients, it, it's uh, we appreciate uh, the work and uh, the stress that you go through, so that we can all kick back and take it easy, uh, and uh, you take good care of our uh, our money. So much appreciated, Alfred. Okay, thank you. Have a good day. Thank you again to Alfred Lamb. We and our clients are very lucky to have him on our team and for being a guest here on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. Our next planned podcast has to do with the growing pressure and complexity many business owners have felt with human resource management over the last couple of years. We'll talk to a professional about the different types of help you can look for and what may be best suited for your business in an easy to understand way on our next episode of Wealth Wisdom. Ultimately, our goal is to educate and engage you, our audience. If you have any topics you would like us to dive deeper into, please let us know. If you could take a moment to post a review, it would also be much appreciated. And for those of you who don't know the origin of the name Sana Family Office, it stems from the meaning of Asante, which is Swahili for thank you. However, the most commonly spoken phrase in Swahili regarding Asante is Asante Sana, which means thank you very much. The name represents our gratitude towards all the families and business owners who have chosen our team as their trusted advisory council. Until next time, Asante Sana. Hi, I'm Trevor Beggs from Sana Family Office, and thanks for listening to John Lawson and the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. Here are the necessary disclosures. Asante Capital Management is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the above, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed here are not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast.